0: Hurry back to throw, flushed out, rolling left in trouble, slips a tackle, got to launch it. He does, left side, into the end zone, jump ball, and it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! With one second left! I can't believe it! Reaches up with three defenders around him and pulls it in. And the Cardinals lead it 32-30 to with a second left.
1: I'm not joking you. It was amazing. Kyler Murray rolling left, throwing across his body while falling backwards. And Hopkins goes up and gets it between two defenders with a third defender crashing in right at the last second. That was awesome, PK. A game winner when they'd just given up the lead with 34 seconds left.
2: Yeah, I was watching that thing live on my NFL ticket. It's worth every penny I paid, and I got it for free. But I would have paid for it just to watch that one. A couple of things come to mind. Uh, you know how you say somebody has hops? Well, now you say somebody has hop skins.
1: How oh, okay then. All right, yeah.
2: I told my wife last night, she says, yeah, I like it. That's clever. I said, "Now I just got to make sure to remember, to, uh, to remember it. <laughs> and... Uh, that was the best Hail Mary that I've ever seen on both ends because Kyler Murray had to run around a little bit. It was John Beckesk against uh, the Utes, obviously, you know, going from one side of the field all the way to the other. Mm-hmm. And obviously uh, it wasn't a Hail Mary. It was a great pass that John made and, and Johnny was alone and made that catch. But then, so you got that, and that. Then this kid, his athletic ability is the reason why he was a first round draft choice in baseball too, is because he's got phenomenal athletic ability, and it was on display then, right? But then the catch, you know, normally, like you take that Doug Flutie thing. I don't remember the guy who caught it, but he basically all he had to do is catch the ball, or sometimes it gets tipped, you know, and it's somewhat of a, a fortunate bounce here or there, whatever it might be. Well, Hopkins just doing the, you know why they do the standing jump in the combine? Well, that was on display right there. To be able to go up and just have fingers that seem like they were from Expendables and they were 20 inches longer than everybody else, and maintain your balance and still be able to catch the ball, best Hail Mary that I've ever seen. Maybe not the most dramatic and all that stuff, but the best when you combine the throw and what went into the throw, what led up to the throw, and then the catch.
1: And bonus reward on top of all of that, they're not tied for first place in the NFC West because the Rams destroyed Seattle. The Seahawks' defense giving up 300 yards passing again. That's the worst pass defense in the entire NFL. I think it comes down to their lack of pass rush. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of stuff, but I just don't think they get to the quarterback. But in any case, all three teams are now 6-3. and three.
2: Well, I looked it up. Yeah, I would be more on the uh, offense. Seahawks only scored 16 points. I mean, I don't know that you can uh, expect the Ram, uh, Seahawks defense to be dissatisfied about giving up 23. The Seahawks offense only scoring 16 is the shocker. There, I, I looked it up, I think. There's 15 teams, either 6-3 and three or better, in the NFL right now.
1: And that offense should get better when they get Carson back. He's been out for about a month now, and that should improve their running game. And that'll take some of the pressure off of uh, every. Everything's been riding on Wilson. Just make every play. So it's a reset there with everybody at six and three. And is it is it fifteen teams at six and three are better? But there are a lot of teams in that uh, playoff race in the NFC sitting right at six and three.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Those all the, the three in the yeah,
1: West. Yeah, those three there, and then. Uh, uh, it's over in the AFC that it's the, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Colts, the Titans, and the Raiders. Five teams on six and three. And there's yeah, uh, three wild cards, although one of them will get to be a division winner because the, uh, the Colts and the Titans, one of those two teams is going to win the, uh, the AFC South.
2: Cardinals Thursday night.
1: Yeah, short turnaround, right back at it, huh? And such a high-stakes game. So is Drew Brees okay? Because you've got Green Bay and New Orleans at the top of the NFC. They are both seven and two. The Bucks a half game back at seven and three, and then the three teams we talked about at six and three. So that's half a dozen teams separated by a game. But he got he got crunched. That's a medical term. But he just got scrunched and crunched, and he tried to stay in the game and play, and you know they scored and he did a few things, but he was just he was clearly impacted by that. I don't know whether it was ribs or shoulder or what, but it looked bad. I think it was ribs. And Jameis Winston came in with 6-10 for 63 yards. They let uh they let Taysom run the ball, but they didn't let him throw it much. He got sacked one time. He didn't actually he have a pass attempt. Yeah. Man. Packers, man, they, they were playing a one-win team at home. That was a struggle. They got it done. Rodgers with a fourth-quarter touchdown pass to bring them from behind to beat the Jaguars 24-20. Proving any team really can on any given Sunday, right?
2: Well, I already knew that, but yeah, they didn't, but they can.
1: Steelers the last undefeated team. Ben Roethlisberger didn't practice, but threw four touchdown passes and 330 yards passing, and the Steelers blew out the Bengals 36-10. Pittsburgh improves to 9-0. and They still got, uh, what, three playoff teams left on the schedule, so it's not that they're going to completely cruise through an easy schedule, but they got, they got the... Uh, The Jags coming up, and then they got the rematch with the Ravens. What happened to the Ravens, beaten by the Patriots? It was rainy, it was cold, it looked nasty there in New England. But Cam Newton, you don't have to throw the ball down the field. All all the big plays, let someone else throw it down the field on a trick play, or you run it in, or throw a little swing pass. They got it done. The weather was just
2: absolutely miserable.
1: It really did look awful. Tua Tonga by Lois, 3-0 is the Dolphins starter. How much should we buy in, PK? Hasn't thrown a pick. A little. Hasn't thrown a pick yet. That's impressive. He's gotten better. Five touchdowns, no picks, and he is 3-0. and Monday Night Football. It's Vikings and the Bears tonight. If you want to watch a little football. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. A guy who was calling the rivalry game before it was the rivalry game, Bill Marcroft. So when did the rivalry game become the rivalry game?
0: Oh, it wasn't really until the, until Lavelle came or
1: until Tommy Hutzpah brought the Marines in. Then, it, then football became a rivalry game. But for those of us who uh, have been there for the bath of fire and have the rivalry
0: imprinted on our DNA, it goes way, way back.
1: That was Bill Marcroft joining us for an interview back in 2011. The longtime voice of the Utes and KUTV sportscaster passed away over the weekend. And PK, he wasn't just the voice of the Utes. At that point, he was really the voice of sports. I mean, the Jazz weren't in town yet. So Paul James calling Cougar games and, and doing the sports every night at KSL. And he's doing the sports at KUTV and calling Ute games. There just weren't that many voices. And uh, his voice, he talks about the imprint of the DNA there. His voice, the imprint of DNA for people who grew up in Utah, people of a certain age, from uh, 69 when he started calling Ute games, I guess 66 he was an analyst, all the way up until 2005. And that's awesome, but there were just so many people dropping everything to line up and say nice things about him yesterday and all the other numbers and that uh, the career is impressive but impressive how many people he touched who wanted to remember him
2: absolutely he's a true legend he touched me too spent a lot of time with him over the years when I was covering the University of Utah men's basketball for the watchdog and you know, boring another lonely road trip well it was made brighter because of Bill Markoff and it was made bright right from the start too it was not like it was anything that that he warmed up he was my friend immediately and the thing that i think that he really liked with me is in at that time i was a true uh journalist and bill his broadcast journalist days were over essentially when i came along in 93 but over so many meals, whether it be any of the three traditional meals during the day or just sitting at airports or uh, in rent cars he told me so many stories of what went on in the community when he was, in fact, one of the leading, if not the leading, broadcast journalist. I spent a little bit of time with Paul James, not nearly as much, so I'm sure Paul would have had those stories, too. Uh, more, more, My time spent with Paul James was more in group settings, whereas with Bill, it was 10 years of one-on-one, basically, and listening to his stories about how this franchise came how this coach was hired mm-hmm. and then it branched over because he was of the community you and i are imports he was not an import he like you do too in in to to a degree if you hear anything in the community that's newsworthy you share it with the folks who need to know at channel Two. well he was doing that also so not only did he have sports news that he reflected back he had you know, the term real news, but you get the point. Hard news, I guess, would be more the, the term that they use in the business. And he would uh, had experience on that. And then just as a person, we would go out to eat. I said this last night on television. We would go out to eat, and we would spend time in the restaurant because we had no other place to go. It would just sit in a hotel room by yourself. And then he would tell you, he had to go home and call Joyce. I, I feel like Joyce was my mother, too, <laughs> <laughs> because that was his wife. And he would talk about her a lot. He would talk about his children. And I talked about his son, Patrick, who became a doctor. And it turns out that Patrick ends up moving up uh, by the junior high a mile away. And I saw him and was involved with him in community events and all that type, those types of things. That, And I, I felt like I knew Patrick for a long time before I even met him yeah. <laughs> because of Bill. He was a family man, he was a broadcast journalist. And then when I came along, He was the truest of the true Utes. He represented everything that the University of Utah stood for in terms of being a fan and a supporter.
1: Jeff Judkins was one of the people who lined up to talk about him, and as much as Bill was totally into the rivalry, as much as he loved Utah and couldn't stand BYU, when Juddy was uh, forced out by Majerus and decided to go down and work for Steve Cleveland, eventually became the women's basketball coach, uh, he said uh, he got a call from Bill right away. And, you know, Bill telling him, hey, it, it hurts that, you know, you're not going to be a Ute anymore and that you're not going to be up there, but, you know, you got to do this. It's, it's good for you. And and I know you'll do a great job. And Juddy said he called him every year at the start of the season to find out how the team was going to be. And he said he's going to miss that call coming up here in a couple weeks. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, he would call me and ask me who I thought should get the Heisman because he had a vote. Uh, He he entertained me. He was a walking history.
1: Yeah. He told me about
2: guys like, uh, what's the, uh, Chosich? What a mm-hmm. ball player he was! Yeah. yeah, I mean, I never saw him. He told me about Pace. He loved Pace. He loves Pace's attitude. I never saw Pace play. Literally, never saw him play. I did. And he <laughs> would tell me about the man. I I felt like by the time Pace came along it was another one. I felt like I knew Pace before I actually even met
1: Pace. <laughs> I do uh, the. I saw him. I must have seen him because I went and saw uh, Chambers and Vrains when they came down to play San Diego State. I went to the sports arena and saw the game. So I know I saw Pace, but uh, his senior year, they beat UCLA in the NCAA tournament, and I distinctly remember watching him go over talk to Pim and thinking, who, who is that guy? It really stuck with me. as the weirdest thing when I ended up meeting him, and I could remember specific stuff about the game. It's looking at me like, mm, you're either really good or you're a freak or you're a little bit of both. I don't know what your deal is. So, But uh, those stories Bill would tell, when I got here in 92, you know, the, the thing about being an import is you can come in and tell your stories, but people don't care. They want their stories. And both he, and Henry Stein, told me a bunch of stuff about sports in the 70s and 80s. Actually, they told me some stuff about the, the 50s and 60s. Have random tidbits of knowledge just because of the stories those guys told me in the channel Two newsroom uh, bill was was really good to me and that and that helped a lot you know there are a lot of ongoing stories and you 're right about you 're right about those news stories p k he covered those as i said i mean I was going to say horrible plane crash, but but I guess if everyone walks away it 's not a horrible plane crash, but this wasn 't this was flames and it it was terrible and and he was a guy he went out there and and did the report and all that in the mid-60s yep Yep. i remember very well yeah he told you about it he told me about it and i came across uh old tape of it one day and it was everything he said it was right right to the t so bill uh bill will be missed man there were a lot he i had no idea he influenced so many um people who got into the business we have Frank Dolce on we can ask about him Frank told great stories that was in the 90s Uh, Rod Zundel interned for him in the 80s and then Bill hired him as a producer and then later reporter anchor and then Rod jumped to KSL and worked there for 25 years and Reese Stein said he met him at a Reese was in junior high and met him at a uh, career day and he thought I really want to do that and 10 years later he was working alongside Bill because Bill hired him so had a huge impact on people All right, uh, the other note on the Utes. The uh, Utes, uh, no media availability today. Pushed it back to tomorrow. I think they just are hoping that they're going to have some more answers about what may or may not happen this weekend with the USC game. So, uh, won't hear from the Utes today, but that'll be tomorrow. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag Utah State. Shelly with Jalen Warren next to him and Jalen Warren gets the snap right up the middle of the field and off we go here we go Jalen Warren can he take it to the house to the 25 20 15 10 5 that. Is a Utah State touchdown. Jalen Warren, 84 yards, right up the gut. And the Aggies strike first at Maverick. Wow. Scarver's going to take the ball to six yard line. Let's see if he can make something happen. To the 25, to the 35, and he's gone. Here we go. Save on Scarver. To the 50, 10, 5, you got it. Touchdown, Utah State. Holy smokes.
1: Two big plays in the first quarter. The Aggies actually led after a quarter, so that was a positive. And then the second quarter, Fresno State won the game, and honestly, when they went to the locker room at halftime, it felt like it was over. It was better, PK. There were signs of life and emotion and big plays. But at 21-13, when Shelly underthrows the long pass down the middle and, and the kid's got to come back for it and he's down at the one, you're thinking, well, they'll punch it in. But they don't because they have a bad snap in the shotgun – and they kick a field goal, and then Fresno goes right through the defense with zero resistance. It was right back to where it was the first three weeks. It was 28-16 at that point, and it just felt like it was over.
2: Uh, yeah, I think the short story is Jason Kelly- Shelley, Shelley getting now on the, the, the team.
1: Yeah, that, that email came out last night uh, right about 6 o'clock. So, have you ever seen the leadership completely crumble like this where – we're a month into the into the games. I don't even know how to describe this season, but the coach is gone. Now the co- starting quarterback is gone. The guy the other guy who could have been the starting quarterback has already transferred cuz he saw the first guy transfer in it's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to have a chance to compete here." So, he's off to Texas Tech. And then they do that game without the two guys who are calling plays on offense and defense cuz they tested positive. It's like this is such a disaster.
2: Yeah, it really is, man. You're just holding on till this thing gets over and regroup.
1: Yeah. We talked about it last night. Uh, There is one game that they might win, if you look at it, New Mexico. And if they win one of the other three, uh, that's going to be really surprising. Air Force, CSU, and Wyoming. Right. So, four games to go for the Aggies. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college football. King to throw down the middle caught by Pope he's headed for the end zone Pope is going to score it's a Miami touchdown Mark Pope from De'Ara King
2: an exquisite throw and a 36 yard touchdown from King to Pope Hooker looking to throw the ball deep out there
0: it's intercepted by Zachary Couch Couch makes the interception does a cartwheel on the field
1: Miami beats Virginia Tech 25-24. The ninth-ranked Hurricanes only have one loss, and the Canes avoided a second one right there. Upset scare on what otherwise was a... As far as results go, it was a pretty by-the-book Saturday. Obviously, USC... They're 20th ranked. They're 2 and 0, and they needed two scores right at the end of the game to win again. Again with the interceptor, no deflected, no right through the guy's hands for the catch. This time it wasn't a touchdown. They they needed one more play to get in the end zone. Man, these guys are living on the edge. PK.
2: Yeah, I thought Arizona had a good shot, but uh, their pass defense. uh... Is not very good, and Gunnel's a good quarterback for for the U of A. They put some points on the board, and they got that receiver. I His named Joiner, and that I like. The running back was good, Brightwell, and so they've got something that they could have give you a scare. We'll never know with the Utes because they're not gonna play them. We'll see them next year, hopefully, obviously. Uh, but yeah, SC is just living on the edge of the cliff, and so far they're still living.
1: Colorado, two and zero. How? What do they have to do before we buy them? It's been, it's been so long, and this was supposed to be so hard with a coaching change and no spring ball, but they beat UCLA and Stanford. and The score, the game wasn't as close as the score indicated. Stanford got two late scores, and they got the ball back, but I think they only ran one play when they got it back. Play, so you, Stanford's you a mess,
2: week? man. Stanford is a mess. They uh, have to uh, look at themselves. and, and at Four and eight, now you're 0 and 2. But at the same time, I'm just not going to get caught up in results this season. I know you want to, but I, I can't. I'm not in the Pac-12. It's so screwed up.
1: If you were Oregon State, would you be mad at the refs right now, or since you're not into the results, can you just let it go?
2: Oh, you want to be mad because they gave you a bad spot, sure. I, don't know, I get all that. It was a bad spot. I was watching the game. But, you know, get three yards, I guess, and take it out of their hands. So you can go back and forth on that all you want.
1: It's you Colorado this week has already been canceled. COVID-19 issues within the Sun Devils program for the second week in a row. Colorado AD Rick George told reporters the Buffs would look at any and all options to play this weekend. They're 2-0. and They'd like another game. What can they do on short notice? Uh, you were saying the Pac-12 seems to open the door for this kind of stuff. Merton Hanks.
2: Merton Hanks had a quote, uh, certainly we would take a look at it, I'd imagine, which is a, an oxymoron. You can't have something certainly and then say I'd imagine because that indicates that it's only a possibility, whereas certainly removes any doubt. But you know, he's the next jog and didn't really understand the language. His point being that the, the Pac-12 is now open to playing non-conference games, according to Merton, but I don't know what type of authority he has when it comes to that. I don't think he was given the ultimate authority to make those decisions. Uh, but the Pac-12, yeah, it's clear in my mind they should have started much earlier so they'd have some wiggle room and now they have none and teams want to play, especially if you're Colorado, because you're sitting on top of the world at 2-0. and And what does that mean for this week? What does it mean for BYU? Obviously, there's possibilities there if the Cougars want to explore them.
1: Yep, always going to wonder why the Pac-12 couldn't have at least started when the Big Ten and the Mountain West did and picked up two more weeks of games. And, the, you know, the, those... Those leagues haven't built in bye weeks either, so when they lose a game, they lose a game, period. That's the way it is. But at least they had two more to start with, so they're not down to four or five game seasons.
2: Yeah, I don't even know if the Utes are going to be able to play uh, next week against the Sun Devils. because It's my understanding. The Sun Devils have been battered, and with this contact tracing, sitting out type of stuff, they're not going to get out on the field. Minimally until the end of next week, so you're going to give them a couple of days after being off for two or three weeks, and then they're supposed to be ready to play. That becomes a joke.
1: So, despite the fact the results, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a portion of a portion of a season. Still, South Carolina parts ways with Will Muschamp. Two and five this year, and 28 and 30 uh, in his five years. With the club, and then the team owes him fifteen million.
2: Yeah, but it's isn't a portion of a portion, though. I mean, they're going to play ten games. Or are set to play. We'll see. Yeah. So see if they actually if get to play ten record there. This is right, a, and it's I a
1: previous. Think. It's the previous years as well. Yeah, exactly. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NBA.
1: The Lakers expected to trade for Oklahoma City Thunder guard Dennis Schroeder in exchange for the player they pick Wednesday with their 28th overall pick and Danny Green. Ready for NBA draft and the draft order going to get mixed up. There's going to be trades. Boston reportedly looking to move a pick or two that they've got too many first rounders. They They don't have room on the roster for all those guys.
2: Well, as far as the Lakers go, I mean, that makes him better. He's a better player than Danny Green.
1: James Harden reportedly had hopes of joining the Nets. He doesn't like the direction of the Rockets franchise and their ability to compete for an NBA title. Okay, hopes, but that's a huge contract. Is that really going to work? I don't know. We'll be talking NBA uh, later today, still waiting for the time to get nailed down. Brian Kilbrowski. NBA draft analyst for USA Today Sports, giving us a lowdown on the draft Wednesday nights. So we've got that to look forward to. Stay with us. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Dodger legend Tommy Lasorda hospitalized. He's in the intensive care unit in Orange County. Uh, the team announced it yesterday. Lasorda, 93, described as resting comfortably, according to the team. He attended the team's Game 6 victory. That clinched the first World Series title they'd won since 1988. Can you explain to people? I mean, Lasorda is a big deal in baseball, but how big a deal he is in Dodgerland and how quotable he was for how many years?
2: Oh, yeah, he was a larger life personality in a super sized media market. And he had personality. I mean, he's a little Italian guy, obviously from Pennsylvania. And Italian guys from the Northeast know how to talk. Believe me, I can verify that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he knew how to do that. Just, I've just i interviewed him a million times over the years. Uh, just I wasn't a Dodger beat writer, but uh, the course of the season, if you're a breathing body, you end up covering Dodger games because the regular guy needs a break. And so, yeah, he was as entertaining as they came, that's for sure. He understood the marketing aspect probably as well as any manager in the history of the game.
1: He could sell it. And they were drawing 3 million people, but he didn't back away from it. He kept selling it. Right, Miami Marlins have hired Kim Ang as their general manager, first female to hold the GM in Major League Baseball history. Uh, nine years as MLB's senior vice president for baseball operations, also an assistant GM for the Yankees and Dodgers. So sounds like there's a lot of background there. Now, on the other hand, uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, Preparation for this moment, right? The career arc's been leading this moment, but Yankees and Dodgers have money the Marlins don't have. So, on the other hand, uh, does working for those franchises prepare you for the hand you're going to be dealt in Miami?
2: Well, yeah, but you just went to the two franchises that have the most amount of money. So, you can, most of the teams are in her situation. So, uh, she had the relationship with Jeter, and I think that's what helped there. Plus, plus. She's another North Jersey gal. (laughs) Went to high school about seven miles from where I grew up. Which high school? Give us one of
1: those Uh, Jersey names.
2: I think it's Ridgewood. Ridgewood High School. Yeah, yeah. it's it's minutes. I could have rode my bike uh, if I wanted to. Uh, And so she's got that, you know she's smart. It's funny, you know, it's a big thing. I get it. It's a woman. It's an Asian woman. And for those folks that want to make a big deal about that, I fully understand it, but that's a day-long story. Because when she gets on the job, which has already happened, it's what do you do with the job? And how do you perform? And you better perform, who you are, what you are, really doesn't matter. It's a huge story at the time, but the great thing about it, she'll, like everybody else should be, will be judged on performance.
1: DJ and PK. Dustin Johnson is just going to go up and finish back and through and in.
0: Domination by Dustin. 20 under par. He wins the Masters in record fashion.
1: The all time scoring record set by the number one player in the world. It's a dream come true. It's, you know, as a kid, you know, always dreamed about, you know, being a Masters champion. But, you know, it's, you know, it's just incredible, obviously, as you can tell. Dustin Johnson's second major title, biggest margin of victory since Tiger in 97. He won by five shots. There's a little wobble early in the day, PK, with a couple of bogeys on the front nine but uh he righted the ship and he was money coming home pulling away i don't think the lead got under three did it did it get to two one point? i think it was three no. and then he uh he was money coming home
2: he's best player in the game Yeah, i've been saying it for a good while he has the most skills it's hard to win every time obviously but when i look at him from top to bottom what you need as far as golf he is the best player he's the most well-rounded most thorough whatever you want to say that's him and I, I just love how they get so emotional because they think of all the things. That was, uh, was on the green there with that lady who does the interview, or Amanda, I think her name is. I don't know her, first, her last name, but I, I believe her first name is Amanda. Great, great interview by her. She goes to the well. He can't respond. She lets him compose himself, goes to the well again. He still can't respond. Rather than push it, she throws it back to Jim. Great, great touch by her. Even though Dustin barely talked, it was one of the best interviews I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the emotion told you everything. You didn't need all the words.
2: And his skill level is just, it was something that I saw years ago. Uh, You picked him, so you got your first major. Yeah! (laughs) I picked him every single time. I mean, I was going to pick him, but you picked him. He he is, to me, the most complete golfer. It's a no-brainer when I looked at him years ago thinking, this guy is just going to, do his thing as long as he keeps his head on straight and he had some issues earlier but I think Gretzky is well I don't think he's officially married to old Paulina uh, but that's basically his father-in-law and and I've seen some read some stuff Gretzky got in there and got on his case his college coach got on his case and I'm sure his family his brothers on the bag I'm sure they did and it's good to see this talent that he has come to pass
1: I can't believe Bob didn't pick him. I mean, I'm glad I got my first win, but I can't believe
2: (laughs) I... You'll always remember your first major, (laughs) Dave.
1: The text I got last night was which
2: one of them picked him so I know who I'm going to get guff from. (laughs) Well, I was going to pick him. I've, if you go back and look, since oh, yeah. you've been doing I this, know. I pick him every time. Yeah, yeah I you know. Were, you were going to go Dustin Johnson. <laughs> no,
1: and when days. you <laughs> said, as, as soon as I picked him, you're like, ah, I was going to pick him. Of course. Because I had said, well, I, I, I thought Bob was going to pick DJ, but I thought there was a slight chance he was going to pick Justin Thomas. Yeah. I thought it was going to be DJ or JT. I was pretty sure it was going to be DJ. And when he picked Kepka, I was like, I can't believe I have to decide. <laughs> well, don't outthink the room. Pick DJ. He's playing great. You know, he is great, it's yeah. not like this win came out of the middle of nowhere. You know, he's nope. he's been he's been playing well for weeks. So oh, I'd say years. Oh, okay, yeah, but but really since they came back, since you know the tour stopped, like everything else, and he got it wound up, and he was playing really well. So. He's a superstar. But you were picking him, uh, even before we were doing the picks with Bob, you would predict, you are like, well, I'm just going to predict 40 times in a row because he's eventually going to break through. Right, right. And this is his his second win. He had the Open four years ago. But you were probably picking him back in, like, 2013. Yeah. Because you were picking him at least two or three years before he finally won. Well, you just
2: look at him, and it was obvious.
1: Yeah. All right, there it is. We'll talk with uh, Bob coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. That is the longest what is trending ever. That's some kind of record. All right, it's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, we got a lot to get to this morning. Uh, your memories of Bill Marcroft. We can spend a little time on that going forward. Uh, coming up next, we've got the question of the day for Ute fans. What do you, what do, you do now? Advice for the Utes? What What now? 0 2 Uh, just trying to get on the field. Obviously, no record because they haven't played any games. And for different reasons, the next couple games could be jeopardized. Uh, We'll get to all that coming up. Stay with us.
0: Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake
1: Scott. The general manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck. You know, it's
0: pretty easy to go through in an analysis of the season and see what the strengths of our team are and what are the things that we have opportunities to improve at. So certainly finding talented wing and guard defenders that don't compromise spacing, there's a multitude of ways that we can try to accomplish that. We look for high character, unique players and they can come in all shapes and sizes, but we have multiple ways to address that and see if we can have a little bit more of a comeuppance defensively for the team. The big show weekdays from 2 to 7 on 975 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Well, Real
1: Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Get 0% financing for up to 72 months, plus $2,500 purchase allowance. On a new 2020, XT4, XT5, or XT6. Shop your way at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Little Springsteen. There's plenty of songs with Cadillac in it. Yacht will rotate through them in the coming days. All right, PK, simple question for the Utes when you got a six, seven game season and the first two games haven't been played. What should the Utes do now? Lucas says you got to accept what's not in your control, keep working hard, and hope for better weeks to come. Trent wants him to throw a Pac 12 COVID party, and there's a long line of people led by Scott and Fritz who want him to punt. Punt. Or in the words of Tom, shut it down.
2: It's not fourth down yet.
1: You can't shut it down. You're you're part of a conference. You can't bail out on them. If you get to give somebody else a game coming up and another five million dollars from a TV network, don't you have to go play it?
2: Well, if it can be played, yes. I mean, but there was thought that the not all twelve would be in back when, so that was a possibility, and you. If you listen and I got on the thing on Friday with Mark Harland and he's not willing to fold it up just yet. So he's going to see what happens and you know I talked to somebody at the U last night and they said hey make sure you send the message just because there's no media availability today doesn't mean they know that they won't be playing Saturday. Mm-hmm. They're going to go ahead and figure these things out and and they'll have announcements tomorrow and it might be that they don't play. They might make that announcement tomorrow. Or they're going to, well, we're going to try to do like they've done the last two because the last two both came out on Friday. So they could go in that direction, too. So we won't really know Uh, then basically until SC gets on the plane, if, in fact, that even happens. uh, I would assume once they're on the plane, we're good to go. But that never got to that point. For the Utes and their away game, that was supposed to be in uh, in Pasadena on uh, this past Saturday night. On Friday, they never got on the plane. The prior week, Arizona never got on the plane. The thing that's disturbing is that the Sun Devils and Ray Anderson, their athletic director, he called it a week ahead of time. Now, that's the first time we've had that. That's not good. I mean, that's just not good at all. So I don't see that the conference can have a legitimate conference race. I still see that these kids want to play. And sure enough, you know, with the UC Los Angeles and Cal playing Sunday morning, we had to read all the people who have jobs, lecture us, and how they're taking advantage of these kids and blah, 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 and, and this and that. And it's almost, not quite, it's almost like the people who say the schools should be closed. They, they, Some of them do, but maybe some of them don't have kids in school and understand the ramifications of how difficult that is. And we went through it uh, in our own family, but I don't want to get off on that uh, last spring because we'll worry about that uh, at some other time. But these kids want to play football. And so even if it's one or two games, I think they still want to play football. And if you can play one or two games, let them play one or two games, man. I think, a, I think everyone's,
1: I think there's a lot of motivations for a lot of different people. And, and honestly, all these people may have different motivations, too. But I think there's at least one clear motivation for each of these groups of people. Uh, for the players, they love to play football. We always talk about the clock is ticking down, and it's the game that you can't play. You certainly can't play in this way after it's over. You know, pick a basketball game is at least some representation of a real basketball game. But you just can't do that in football. So I think the players do want to play. There's that. You know, I think if you're a coach, if you're Kyle and the staff and you've got to evaluate recruits and decide whether to take transfers in the coming year, do we need them at this position, any chance to get in a game or two or three or whatever it turns out to be, you get to evaluate the players, you get to help the guys who are there develop and be more ready for next season, improve and all those things. Uh, you know if you're Mark Harlan, and you're looking at the at the books and you're thinking, okay, well that's uh, that's another, you know, 5 million dollars from the TV networks and I don't have to go do a second round of layoffs and fire more people. I mean, you, you got to be really warped to think that's a good time. That's, that that would be horrible. Uh, you know, and if you're the, the conference, as much as you say the, the race PK and as much as the standings just make that evident when some teams have zero games and some have one some have two, um, if, if USC and Oregon can play all their games, if, and if they keep winning, they have the, uh, the rep coming in Still can't rule out, I also can't guarantee, but I can't rule out that they would be in a playoff, which for the Pac-12 and all the years they've been ripped for not getting in a playoff, if you have a chance to get in, get in and at least shut people up for five minutes. Probably, probably get uh, torn down You know, in the preseason predictions a year from now, but if you can, and I don't know that they can play all the games, I don't know that they can win all the games, Oregon, did Oregon look that dominant to you? You know, do they look unbeatable? I mean, SC obviously looks beatable. They've nearly been beaten two weeks in a row. So I don't know if they can pull it off, but they got the rep if they do.
2: I just can't get into that at all. (laughs) I mean, you're going to hammer that. I'm not going to be able to help you. I think it's bogus. You're going to have Utah play SC this week, and Utah hasn't played a game. I don't care how SC looks. They got a distinct advantage. It's bogus. It's not a true race. So I'm not concerned about the race at all. I'm not concerned about the coaches getting opportunities to evaluate the players. The coaches will have got next year and a year after and a year after that, blah, blah, blah. I'm more concerned about the the uh, the kids and, and the people in the athletic department whose jobs are riding on them playing. So those are the things that concern me the most. I mean, some beauty contest that some 13-member committee decides whether SC or Oregon can get in. That seems so trivial right now. and I, So I'm having a hard time mustering any any enthusiasm over that.
1: Blair says with nothing left to play for in the Pack 6 or 8 or whatever it is this week, they should salvage their season by scheduling BYU who will come to Rice Eccles and play them tomorrow if they ask.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure that's in Utah's best interest to do that though.
1: Because It'd be a game. Kids want to play, especially in-state kids would want to play that game, wouldn't they?
2: Oh, everybody would want to play the game, but yeah. yeah. But is that in Utah's best interest to do that? To because to, if you can play, you ought to be playing a conference game.
1: Yeah, I guess it would come down to Dece- first thing that pops into my mind. I haven't really considered this to be honest, but would be December nineteenth when they're going to play that seventh game. If there's an odd number of teams no. available that week, plug but it I in would there. Love Otherwise, to see that yeah.
2: But I, I think your first obligation is to keep the money in the conference, not yeah. to help out BYU.
1: Yeah, that is your first obligation. You've, you've, you've. Uh, that, that's the deal you made going into conference. Right. So, but, but if the conference ends up with an odd number of teams one week, you know, it was oh, good that we you got
2: to that point, sure. But yeah. we're not even close to that. that that's still a month. That's away a guess plus. at this point. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at twelve eighty. The zone. Hit us up on Twitter. David DJ James, you can hit us up uh, on the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your audio, your takes. What should the youths do now? This is two weekends in a row without a game. Uh, we got uh, oh, this is this got a lot of uh, a lot of people weighing in. PK, we got over a hundred people posting on Facebook over the weekend on this. Uh, more in a moment. DJ and PK, and coming up. We're going to talk Masters with Bob Casper at 8.30. The Masters recap, a historic weekend for DJ going 20 under. And Frank Miley, the Utah State football interim head coach, joins us at 9.30 with Jason Shelley off the team. We can talk to him about that and the game Thursday at Wyoming. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Now let's get this party started.
0: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. My opinion is BYU has not been as friendly to Kalani as they need to be or should have been. He was going into a lame duck year before they extended him to 2023. This would have been his lame duck season and they extended him midway through last season. That's pushing it too close to the edge. If he goes undefeated and has a top 15 pick, BYU better show him some confidence and extend him out another two years and be like, hey, we just want to show you. We really screwed up on the first lack of extension. they better show him now before the offers come in. Because if you don't, I like that university, but if I'm coaching there and I've got a Power 5 team that comes swooping in and they're like, here's 3.2 and here's a $2.5 million yeah. increase on your coaching pool. My name's on that contract. Hanson and Scotty, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network.
1: DJ and PK is brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating and Electrical Spring into Action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action Today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Action Plumbing, bringing you DJ and PK. Ton of people weighing in. What should the Utes do now? Greg says, well, get ready for SC. And he says, that first game at UNC, that should be interesting. And then the laughing till he's crying emoji. Is he anticipating first game versus third game in a blowout? Although SC doesn't seem to blow anybody out.
2: I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I don't uh, understand why he would anticipate a blowout. I never would see that. To be the situation anyway, I think that uh, Utah has a representative team, and the way Utah plays, I mean, they're hardly ever blown out. They're blown out sometimes. I mean, they basically were blown out in their last two games last year, uh, but, and so it's not like it doesn't happen, but with them in SC, I mean, they've had some really good games. It probably, I'd have to go back and look, three or four, or five good games off the top of my head here recently, so... I would suspect a hard-fought game. It's just hard for me to really read into and take it. If they get out on the field, that's the most important thing, and that's what we want. The result, to me, it's not like I don't care about results anymore, but I just don't see how you could see that, well, this is one team's been just on a practice field for weeks and months. The other team has been tested twice. How you view that as fair, it's bogus. It's a bogus race, but if they get the opportunity to play, Play. And absolutely, I want them. They've got four games scheduled, right? Uh, three. Uh, uh, oh, no. What, what it's they got? four
1: plus the five, one.
2: Five. Right. Four plus one. Yeah, four, five. So we don't know what that fifth game would be. So they got four. I hope they play all four of them, man. And if they go four. Oh, my point is if they go 0 and 4, 4 and 0, I don't know that I'm going to read a whole lot into it. Uh, but just the opportunity to get out there and play, it, to me, is more important than. What are the standings? I, I just don't see how you can, how you can look at this and see. Well, I mean, we this is a regular game compared to what we've had here. I mean, it, it just isn't. But it doesn't mean they shouldn't play them if they can. And if it's just for the sake of money, I am sorry. I'm, I'm not tired. Not sorry. I'm tired of these people and their high moral horses telling us, "Oh, they're just playing for money." Yeah. Well, and you got a job. You're the ones preaching to us, and you got a job. That's what drives me crazy: is these people who have jobs are preaching to us about what other people should do. The possibility of how it can affect that. I mean, last week they laid off how many folks at BYU in the sports information? Five. Was it? I was five? told five
1: of five That's of awful. the s- five of the seven full timers.
2: Yeah, come on, man. That's what was told. Yeah, suck.
1: <laughs> That's yeah.
2: brutal. Right before the holidays, it could be in the middle of whatever month. It's still, it would it's still, still
1: it's suck. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. As some as yeah <laughs> As someone who's been let go of the month. <laughs> right. I suppose the holiday is extra salt in the wound, but it you know, it it, it would suck on June first, it would suck on right. August first, it would suck on October first.
2: Of course. Yes. So and if and if a game or two can help with that, I'm gonna let some dude or some gal with a with a typewriter to go old school preach to me. Shut up. I don't wanna
1: hear it. Jay, I think 2021, save the eligibility on all these athletes. Jay, they already, already did that. that. They already did that. The NCAA got out in front of that. That was a, a good. The NCAA is easy. They, they make enough mistakes and they're a long way away so they don't snap back at you. And they, they tend to tee themselves up to get criticized. But they got in front of that and got that right. This is a free year, and a, a lot of athletes may not take it. You know, there may be people who graduate and want to get on with their lives. For sure, there's going to be NFL draft picks in the case of football, and NBA draft picks in the case of basketball. Who are like, I, I was only doing this till I was draft eligible anyway, so I don't, I don't need the extra year. Um, but yeah, everybody's everybody's getting the extra year. So yeah, that's I don't an see
2: uh, number five for Oregon. Kayvon on Thibodeau. Wow, I got the extra <laughs> year back. <laughs> this guy should have been allowed to go after his freshman year. He's a sophomore this year. Defensive end, uh, stand up linebacker. Chris, as Majerus would say, he creates havoc all over the football field. So he's just a matter of time before he's draft eligible, and then he's gone, as he should be. We all agree with that. So there'll be plenty of guys who have that opportunity and they need to do that. And there'll be others who will say, yeah, I'll do it. And others say, nah, it's just too much of a grind, too much. I can't give them the commitment that they need. And they'll make that mature decision. Well,
1: and and there'll be other players coming along and they try to recruit over the top of you. And if you're not going to start, you may not want to go through the grind if you're you're not playing much. So there'll be a lot of reasons. Right. Uh, Some people will be injury. It's always injury with some people. And you don't need games to have the career-ending injury either. So... Uh, Everybody will. Everybody will live out their own story. All right, DJ and PK, got to take another break. Coming up though, we got uh, Masters with Bob Casper at eight thirty. Still waiting to hear back on Brian Kobrowski, NBA draft analyst for USA Today Sports. Hoping him to get on today. Get him on the air today. If not, we'll get him on tomorrow. Uh, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and twelve eighty. The Zone.